found three beta blockers and a large iced coffee. I have no idea why I'm here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sydney, and I am Boo Boo the Fool. Boo Boo the Fool! Boo-boo. Why are you Boo Boo the Fool it's today? Day when we're recording, I am Boo Boo the Fool. <laughs> This just really shows you how much we procrastinate because I'm turning this around on Saturday. <laughs> so, um, if you want to Venmo Madison $5 for a coffee to get her through this editing process, uh, now that you see what it's like, go ahead. Um, I, I want to make a concerted effort to tell everyone that this is the podcast called I'll Tell You in the Car because we never actually say it at the top of the podcast. <laughs> We don't say our name no, ever. but, you know, <laughs> I don't think it, it's really that important, but I, for the sake of professionalism, I wanted to scoot it in here. Okay, great. We're, um, this is I'll Tell You in the Car, and here is what we are telling you about in the car today. It started as me saying that we should just talk about, um, outlandish conspiracy theories, and I think that Sydney has prepared something else. <laughs> um. You'll see. So we're just talking about. I have a crazy conspiracy theory about the Denver International Airport, and Sydney, you were talking about. I am talking about a conspiracy theory. Um, oh. Yeah, of um, that Avril Lavigne was killed and replaced with an actress. <laughs> yes. Um, I was going to talk about um, Mothman just because I already know about him, but I figured. It's kind of overdone at this point, but if anyone would actually like me to talk about Mothman and cryptids in general, let me know, because I will definitely do an episode on it. But um, for the sake of consistency for this episode, I remembered that um, this exists, (laughs) so I wanted to talk about it. Yes, I love this conspiracy theory. Now, I don't know how you feel about your conspiracy theory, but I want to go ahead and say at the top of the show that I don't believe anything about mine. I think that the Denver International Airport went from having some of the worst marketing ever to having some of the best marketing ever in recent years. And with that marketing came a spiral of conspiracy theories based on, like, horrible municipal spending. (laughs) And here we are now. I'm not going to make any claims on how I feel about mine. Um, Maybe I will at the end of me reading this Straight up, this is a Vice article. Sorry, guys. Um, school's busy, so I'm just going to read this verbatim. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to leave the listeners to draw their own conclusions. Well, well, let's end with yours then, since you have a cliffhanger, sort of. <laughs> let us know how you feel. Okay. And let me tell you tell me. about... Tell me a story. How Banoon is. How Banoon is this is. Straight up Banoon is. Um, straight up... Ooples and Banunu is crazy. <laughs> so, how familiar are you with the conspiracy surrounding the Denver International Airport? Um, I know... I don't want to say a normal amount about it, because I feel like a normal amount is not knowing anything about it. <laughs> None. <laughs> um, but I, I'm familiar with it. Okay, have you seen the gargoyles and the murals? I... Is the horse part of it? Lucifer is part of it. Lucifer? Is that the horse's name? It's actually called Blue Mustang, but people have called him Lucifer. Lucifer. I love that. And it killed its sculptor, so I want to be respectful as I can. This man has a family, um, and he did some amazing work, but 
when he was sculpting the horse, I don't know if he was fully finished with sculpting it and they were just assembling it or what specifically it was, but the horse head fell off, severed an artery, and he bled <gasps> to death. And so that's another part of the um, scary history of this horse and kind of how Lucifer stuck as a name. Because not only is it a giant blue horse outside of the airport with piercing red eyes. Oh, don't they it also don't they glow? Its creator. It's not just that they're red, but they glow. Ooh. I think that they're made of some sort of gems and so they like in the sun shine at you. Terrifying. Um and there's also some very scary murals that are meant to evoke thoughts of world peace, but I'm when I look at it, I'm seeing an actual Nazi with a sword killing a dove, and children are cowering in the corner. So I don't know about world peace oh with my. this one. In another one, um, animals are being killed while children of multinational, sorry, multinational children are like crying over the bodies of dead animals as the forest behind them is on fire. Uh huh. <laughs> I'll share some of these with these, you. These, um, I don't know if you've seen this episode of Parks and Rec and it's been years since I have but it reminds me of like the murals that they have on the walls in their city hall of like indigenous tribes being slaughtered it's just like completely missed the mark (laughs) yes so the Denver International Airport actually has uh, a whole entire page on their website flydenver.com dedicated to conspiracy theories so I'll just read you what their conspiracy theories are, and then I'll tell you how I think that the conspiracy theories actually came oh to fruition. Oh my goodness, sorry, I just got so. these pulled up. What is happening? <gasps> yes. Oh my these god. These are not even all of them. Oh. It looks like Soviet propaganda almost, but you said it's in Denver, Colorado? Guess what year that these were painted? Um, I want to say like... Cold War, maybe like 1980? It was painted, well, I don't know when they they were painted on the walls, but Denver International Airport opened up in 1995. So after the Soviet (laughs) Union had already fell. Uh, Yep. (laughs) Um, Oh, there's also gargoyles in the airport. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so there are gargoyles in the baggage claim. Gargoyles and baggage claim. They, they, uh, oh, they sit in little suitcases. I actually like that a lot. (laughs) They look pensive too. They're like, oh man, American lost my luggage again. They're watching over your luggage. They're the guardians of lost and misplaced luggage. I love it. Okay. It's, if you know the whole story of what they were going for, there is sort of an endearing quality, and I'm glad that they have embraced it. So now in the airport, as they performed construction, um and renovations and things like that they'll put up these like big covers you know like in malls and stuff whenever a store is like going out of business or whatever they'll put up like particle board and then like maybe what new store is coming whatever so they'll put up that kind of stuff and on it it'll be like we're renovating lizard man's home (laughs) we're preparing the new world order really are we are we creating the world's greatest airport or preparing for the end of the world? That's pretty funny. I like when... Streamline security or more secrets. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Here's my favorite one. Construction or cover-up. Ever since um, 
Denver or Colorado uh, legalized weed. It looks like it got a lot funnier. A lot more chill compared to when they painted these wild murals. <laughs> I'm sending you some of their recent marketing. This is so cute. Yeah, they have some... They have either some Gen Z or millennial um, people in their marketing team. For sure. Okay, so here's what the airport says that their conspiracy theories are. And I'm sure that there are a million little conspiracy theories, naturally. Um, But these are the main ones that they've taken the time to write out on their airport page. The airport was built by the New World Order. (laughs) The airport contains the Illuminati headquarters. Right. The artwork contains clues to the apocalypse. That could be true. (laughs) Intentional or not, that could be true. They're ready for it. As... In addition to being Illuminati HQ, there are also several underground baggage tunnels and or a giant bunker for the end of the world for the world's, and this is not defined very well, elite. Ooh. Maybe the lizard people, reptoids, aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the three what big ones. What if the lizard people want to be in the sun to bask? Why would they be underground? Maybe they're just underground until the world ends, and then they can, like, come back and take over the world. I feel like as soon as they got to the surface, they would be like, ooh, that feels good. And they would be completely rendered immobile by the sun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we just let the lizard people out from underground. Maybe they'd just chill out in the sun. Anybody ever thought of that? Not to poke any plot holes in your (laughs) conspiracy theory. No, no, no. (laughs) That's okay. Um... Let me tell you how this came to pass. So, it starts with the Airline Deregulation Act. So, the Airline Deregulation <laughs> Act was passed in 1978. Doesn't everything start with the Airline Deregulation Act? I mean, honestly, three clicks and I'd be back to philosophy on Wikipedia. Maybe two. <laughs> and three more and you're right back at the Airline Deregulation there Act. There you go. Uh, so, it's passed in 1978 and basically it just removes federal control over fares, routes, market entry for new airlines, a lot of regulation. So airports at that time exploded Mm. and became a lot more popular. A lot more um, routes were added. A lot more airlines were started up. And so the airport that Denver International replaced was called Stapleton. And Stapleton was right outside of Denver. And this was before Denver was really as popular as it is. Like, Mm Just spitballing like a fourth of the population that it has now. But whenever all of this airline business came, Denver being in the middle of the country became like a a really big hub. I think currently it's the largest airport in the United States in terms of size, but it became a hub for airline travel. And so as more jobs came to the area, more people traveling, whatever, it built up. Well, because of Stapleton being so close to downtown Denver... They couldn't build skyscrapers. They couldn't expand businesses. They were having trouble keeping up with housing. So they were like, okay, we need to build a new airport. So that's part of the reason why it's moved so far out. So part of the conspiracy theories beforehand um, have been, why is this out in the middle of nowhere? You've got to drive like 30 miles out into the middle of nowhere to get to this airport. And they're trying to hide something by making it so far away. Well, the reason that they are moving it so far away is because there's all kinds of zoning laws. Yeah. The closer I, you get to a major city. I feel like every major city, the airport's like, it's not downtown. 
That seems like a stretch. No. Like, for the yeah. airport here in Cleveland, I do have to drive, like, 30 minutes out of the way. Yeah. I feel like 30 minutes is pretty... Standard. Yeah. And I guess, like, in the middle of Denver, it does seem like it's very vast, empty space in those 30 miles versus, like... Like, when I... Like, the airport actually is very close to me here. It's, like, a five-minute drive to the international airport here. Mm-hmm. But it's also pain in the butt because I hear planes all the time. <laughs> there might be one that interrupts this podcast. <laughs> so that's part of it. Um, and you have to suddenly convince a whole town of people that have been driving five minutes to the airport to now drive 30 minutes. And so they're like, okay, we're going to spend a lot of money on this new airport. We got to make it pop it. We got to make, we make it weird. Dang it. <laughs> We want to make it a cultural hub right. for the people of Denver, Colorado. Oh, yeah. This is before 9-11, so you could just, like, go in, right? Be like, yeah, I, I I'm so. going to go hang out at the airport today. Well, they wanted it to be, like, top of the line, brand new, adding tons more space. Because people really love Stapleton. A Cinnabon. I gather from... <laughs> Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Cinnamon rolls the size of your carry-on. Yeah. Let it give you... <laughs> incredible gas right before you get in a contained space. <laughs> Cinnabon. <laughs> you can find us in malls and airports and nowhere else. <laughs> Ooh, same with Dippin' Dots. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I only find Dippin' Dots carts in mall airports. You can't roll up to the store and be like, can I get a gallon of Dippin' Dots, please? <laughs> a gallon? Let me pour it out into my sweet tea glass. <laughs> what were, uh, what was your, just before we get back on track, what was your go-to Dippin' Dots flavor? Um, okay, I have a confession. Uh, I've never had Dippin' Dots. <gasps> Blaspheme! Oh my god, you were so deprived <laughs> as a child. Out of all the things that happened in your childhood, this one's the most fucked up for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that I need to make the PowerPoint for my future therapist first. I never got first slide. Dots. No dipping dots. <laughs> what about that time that the lawnmower caught on fire and exploded in your yard and turned itself on and was driving across your yard on fire? No, no. Dipping dots. Dip dots. Because like. Listen, all that's all very traumatic, but everything could have been band-aided with a little package of dip and dots. <laughs> when you repress so many memories, you want at least a couple to come through and it should have been dip and dots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take another big swig of my pineapple cider and then I'm gonna go back to talking about what I was talking about. Mine was strawberry. Now I'm just sad. <laughs> Um, if you cut this, I'd be so mad. That was really funny. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it. Okay. But anyways, so they want this to be a cultural hub for the people of Denver, Colorado. So they're like, we're going to put in the fanciest new things. A Cinnabon. God forbid they get a Chick-fil-A. Like everyone's leaving town <laughs> to come to the airport for the Chick-fil-A. <laughs> There's two wraparound drive throughs and the planes are trying to like get past them. <laughs> the air traffic control is just some dude in a red vest. I love that. <laughs> So that's kind of where some of this weird art comes from, because they're like, we want lots of art to decorate our new cultural hub, and we want it to speak for the people of America, (laughs) the people of Denver, Mm -hmm. um, multinational children to be unified in peace, 
And so I guess these were all the ideas that were presented to the, oh, I'm sorry, all of the artists that were presented, all of the ideas that were presented to the artists. Mm -hmm. But what we got was a giant blue scary ass horse. Love it. We got <laughs> child slaying this arrows and animals has on fire. Everything you have. <laughs> <laughs> you have scary, scary horse, horse. <laughs> bag demons, <laughs> uh, bag ghouls. <laughs> bag ghouls. <laughs> um it's so <laughs> pure in a way. Um listen. All horses are scary. I'll say it. I'll say it because no one else yes. will. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's supposed to be like the spirit of like the Native Americans in the land and Colorado and Denver and like the Wild West. Yeah, all very scary. It's just a scary ass horse. <laughs> scary. The West is scary. <laughs> Mountains too high. True. Air too thin. <laughs> it's too high. Yeah, so they were. Well, the horse is also. <laughs> Too high. The main theory should not be lizard people. It should be everyone has altitude sickness and made this bonkers airport. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me tell you some other uh, origins of conspiracy theories here. So it was originally supposed to cost around $2 billion, $2.8 billion, which like that makes sense because they want to throw in a whole new baggage system. They're adding, like, a ton of different gates. Whatever. Big-ass airport. Costs a lot of money. Got it. Got it. it cost $4.8 million, $2 billion over budget, and 16 months behind schedule. The construction employed 11,000 workers. <laughs> 16 months behind schedule. It seems pretty you may ask standard. Yourself, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I expect nothing to get done on time ever no. and i expect nothing to cost what it says it's gonna cost mm -hmm. ever so much like the handling of any other municipal funds this makes sense <laughs> but if you're a conspiracy theorist you think that the two billion dollars in the extended time frame went to constructing an underground bunker of course <laughs> so there is a little truth into the underground aspect there because when they started the planning for this airport they said we are going to have a robot baggage system. It's going to be automated. Robots are going to drive baggage between gates underground and tunnels. And then these robots are going to launch your luggage onto the plane. And it's going to be Please a system. Please don't launch my luggage. <laughs> it's going to be a system of pulleys and tracks and trams and, you know, all the fancy airport things. Turns out, when they invited reporters on press day before the opening of the airport to witness this beautiful baggage system that was going to work perfectly and it was going to be so futuristic, all of these wonderful reporters got to witness suitcases being flung <laughs> from <laughs> the ground, missing the plane, and splattering all over the tarmac. That's pretty much what they do now, but it's humans doing it on purpose. <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, honestly, that's not that different. And like, question mark. <laughs> I fail. I do fail to see the innovation in having a robot do it versus just a person do it. But like, don't take a job away from a human being. People do that. 
fine enough on their own. They're pretty rough with it already, but apparently it was like... <laughs> actuators moved luggage from belt to belt and would often toss luggage off of the system. So, like, it would they would have to have baggage handlers come in anyway and put the baggages... Baggages? The baggages. The baggages. Right back on the line. So, like, even before it got to being flung on the tarmac, sometimes it would just right off the line. And so, conspiracy theorists are looking at this, and they're like, surely this wasn't two billion dollars. (laughs) And you know what? They're right. (laughs) And you know, I have some questions, too. So, yeah, I don't know if it works now. Truly, I haven't... I've never been to the Denver International Airport, so I can't speak to what it actually looks like in person. But... It doesn't seem like it would work now because I've yet to see a system of this kind work at any airport ever. So yeah, um, um, I know this is kind of weird to say about conspiracy theorists, but they have too much faith and credit in the U.S. government <laughs> or any entity for building. For sure, <laughs> it's like you underestimate how stupid government is. That is always my defense, because I do recognize that the government has done a lot of messed up stuff, and it is shocking, and some of it required secrecy for years. Mm -hmm. But most of that stuff, I feel like, is a pretty small scale versus, like, New World Order. There's no way that we don't know about a New World Order. Maybe they tried. Maybe the baggage system failing is, like, a part of a whole failed system somewhere else. And I would believe that. (laughs) I would believe that over them actually executing it flawlessly. So, yeah, I mean, that's really it. They think, so conspiracy states that these underground baggage tunnels are actually a bunker for whenever the world ends, all of the rich people and politicians and athletes and celebrities and all the fancy elite are going to get on military planes and be flown to Denver International Airport and go underground and come back up when it all settles. And? Oh, and also (laughs) maybe lizard people live in the tunnels. Good for them. Uh, there's also, like, a, a Masonic thing. They have a time capsule there. They have the Freemason symbol on it because it was an airport that was built. <laughs> Don't know what's in the time capsule. Don't know if they've opened it. I think it's, like, 100 years in the future or whatever. Maybe it's a, there's a lizard person in there. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's something <laughs> dumb, like most time capsules have in them. Like a VHS. <laughs> What's the dumbest thing from 1995 that they put in a time capsule? Um, it's a Tamagotchi and it's dead. I was going to say a Tamagotchi, but then I was like, no, it has to be stupider. So maybe like a pet rock or something. <laughs> One of those. Um... A pet rock and a slab bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> a Lisa Frank notebook that says <laughs> this was planted and whatever. Oh my gosh. Um... Oh, I, I bet there is a cool Lisa Frank folder with, like, a cool lizard on it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's really all I have. I actually find this one... Oh, hell yeah, there is. <laughs> oh, hell. eBay is about to light up with some Madison activity. One of my favorite YouTubers is named Garrett Watts, and um, he just released a video yesterday about um, making a 90s guest room for his new house. And, uh, he went on just, like, an eBay deep dive of 90s shit, and, um, he's very attached to, uh, Diva Dragonfly is one of the characters. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, so the lizard people were actually, it's actually a mistranslation. It's referring to Lisa Frank li- lizard notebooks. Lisa Frank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
I just, I think that the, of all the conspiracy theories, I like this one the best because it's so easily explained by just like government misspending yeah. and typical contractor work. Mm-hmm. But and plus you get bad. It gargoyles. is interesting to look at. I love the bad gargoyles. And the bad gargoyles are very cute. The ghouls. And whatever cool ass person they have in their marketing department now has fully embraced this, and it's really paying off for them. Good for them. Um, as far as conspiracy theories go, especially recently, I feel this one's like relatively harmless. So. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Shall I tell mine now? I mean, certainly. <laughs> um, this one is by Vice, as I stated earlier. It is by a columnist named Ryan Basil, and it's called Investigating the Conspiracy that says Avril Lavigne was killed off and replaced with an actress. Um, so this is... Not an old conspiracy theory by any means, but this article is five years old, so, like, it's been around for a little bit. Um, mm. but let's get into it, shall we? When Avril Lavigne... We shall. <laughs> we shall. Uh, when Avril Lavigne released the video for Hyper Kawaii Train Wreck of a track Hello Kitty two years ago, now seven years ago, Fans were confused. Aside from the claims of cultural appropriation, Billboard were just one of many publications mm-hmm. to assert that the track squeezed Gwen Stefani's Japan fetizi- fetis- fetishization into an even more unseemly package. The track introduced a markedly different Levine to the character her fans had come to know. Where are the fingerless gloves? The scarlet streaks in her hair? What happened to the skater boy? It seems now, dear readers your listeners, we may have the answer. The Avril Lavigne behind the abhorrent slumber party hit Hello Kitty is not the same Avril Lavigne behind Skater Boy, Complicated, or even Mobile. A single released only in Australia and New Zealand and part of the soundtrack of the equally dire Hollywood blockbuster Wimbledon. Because, dear reader, the Avril Lavigne behind Skater Boy is dead and was replaced with an actress shortly after the release of her seminal debut album, Let Go. I know it's a lot, but that the theory's been, uh, that, blah, blah, blah. but that's the theory that's been posited on an Avril Lavigne fan site based out of Brazil, and it's important we pay attention. Like all good conspiracy theories, Tupac is living on a secluded island, cats are descendant from extraterrestrials, yoga is a form of satanic worship, the Avril Lavigne theory yields an impressive amount of information that, if true, will change the fabric and understanding of the world we live in. I guess if you were a scene kid in 2003. So prepare yourselves, dear readers, as we take a look at the facts as presented by the Brazilian fan site. Part 1. The real Avril Lavigne enters our world. In 1998, the real Avril Lavigne won a singing contest and entered into the world of music. Yet our tragic story doesn't begin here. It starts in 2001 when a, when a then 17-year-old Avril Lamona... Oh my god. <laughs> I can't talk. It starts in 2001. A.R. Levine, baby. <laughs> Avril Ramona Levine signs a million-dollar contract with music mogul L.A. Reed. From here, Avril Levine's life remains seemingly unchanged for the better. Her debut album, Let Go, was the second best-selling in the world. Shares in popular high street shag band merchant Claire's accessories went through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> 
video for complicated. I contributed. I contributed oh, to that. Sure, all the little puffy earrings. <laughs> the video for complicated saw teens across the world embark on a new trend called crashing the mall. And in that trend, Madison sadly had no dip and dots. To the outside. And I had no dip and no dots. No dip and dots. Not one dip nor dot. Uh, to the outside world, everything was gravy. Yet, if we could astral project into Avril Lavigne's psyche during the imperial period of her career, we would see that, as has been confirmed by everyone from Johnny Depp to Lauren Conrad from The Hills, being famous sucks. It takes an incredible toil on one's person. So pretty soon, Avril followed the footsteps of Britney, quote, being famous is just a job, end quote, Spears, and hired a look-alike to confuse the paparazzi that were constantly pursuing her. Avril's double is reportedly called Melissa Vandella, and the two quickly became friends. Is it just a coincidence that the name Melissa is written in permanent Sharpie ink on Avril's hand during a photo shoot? Question mark. And then from here we enter part two, which is the dark days of Avril Lavigne. Let Go is a difficult album to follow up, but try this. Shortly after your writing sessions... After writing sessions began on Levine's follow-up record, her grandfather passed away. During this time, submerged under the pressure of releasing a new record, the toil of fame, and this new loss, she entered into a deep and dark depression. She would later be found dead at her home, and her family, record label, and anyone else in the know kept quiet. Avril Levine's doppelganger steps in to take her place. Yet, in an interesting and perhaps all-too-convenient turn of events, the double leaks details involving her passing and the record's lyrics, booklet, and promotional materials, most specifically in the songs My Happy Ending and Nobody's Home. In 2004, Under My Skin is released, and it's from here that fans, specifically those in Brazil, started to notice something is afoot. And then um, there's a bunch of photos that we'll post on the Instagram of uh, skin blemishes that change from Avril to Melissa. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like specific characterizing moles and how her face just kind of changes overall, question mark. Pretty convincing, right? When you remember that skin blemishes are permanent and unchanging from the day you were born until the day you die, <laughs> <laughs> the above is plain and irrefutable evidence that Avril Lavigne was replaced with an imposter. The story doesn't end here, though. If you're still not convinced, then check this. Just last year, fake Avril Lavigne was questioned about whether or not she was a clone on live TV. And guess what happened? She fumbled the entire performance. This is proof enough. I think we can all agree that boyfriend, Hello Kitty, here's to never growing up, did not come from the Avril Lavigne we know and love. Which I agree. Of course, the guy behind the Brazilian fan site has since claimed that Avril Lavigne never died and was never replaced by a lookalike, and that that theory was cooked up as an experiment to explain how, with the right information, you can make anyone on the internet believe anything. But... Convenient, sir, for you to be backpedaling, where you threaten. We must ask ourselves, why do you have to go and make things so complicated? (laughs) So that's the end of this article. 
And I think it's kind of interesting. I mean, it follows a trend of this happening in the music industry, I guess, starting with Paul McCartney. Everyone thought he had died and replaced with a body double, too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the first of its class, so to say. I feel like it's people wanting to assign so much of what they love about somebody to a public persona that is still growing along with them. Like, Avril Lavigne was... I don't know how old she was whenever she released that first mm-hmm. album, but I know the difference between me at 21 and the difference at me at 25 is still a pretty big difference. Right. For that to be under under public scrutiny, maybe I'd want somebody to think that I was replaced by a body double. I don't know. This article didn't bring up the fact that she married the lead singer of Nickelback, which is the most suspicious um, piece of evidence so far, in my opinion, rather than... If you're the a punk, music. you can't marry Chad Grover. <laughs> Avril. Um, yeah, I mean, just thinking about the phases that I went through when I was a kid, like, I definitely had this weird skater boy phase, and now I'm not like that. I mean, I'm not... Um, you're not kitty. culturally appropriating. <laughs> K-k-k-k-o-i-e, but... Um, <laughs> I am. K-k-k-k-o-i-e. Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> It is cringe. I remember when I saw that because I was like, oh my gosh, Avril Lavigne's released a new song. Like, I'm, And it's Hello Kitty. And like Hello Kitty was a really popular cartoon character. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I kind of thought it would be more nostalgic. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my oh, god. No. What? Yeah. What? Maybe we should go with a strawberry shortcake next time, Avril. Um. Uh, Avril, you could really just done with, like, a sad Care Bear, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Um, it was, ugh, it was not, it was just real fetishy for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, really reductive of Japanese culture as a whole, certainly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, the, the writer of this article summarized it very well in that first paragraph. It was, uh, weird. Um, and I could see why people who were big fans of her don't want to accept that that is the same Avril. I've also seen on YouTube before where people are like, oh, her voice changed completely. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, she got <laughs> older. Um, people's older. voices do change. But they had broken it down with like, well, she sings this note this way here and this note this way here. And it's like, okay, maybe. Also, like, talented singers can sound different intentionally. Mm-hmm. I I do want to say, though, like, of all the industries that I could see committing something this terrible, it would be the music industry, oh, yeah. especially the early 2000s music industry. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. It, like, compared to, like they said in the article, like, what happened to Britney Spears, like, I could definitely mm-hmm. see them doing something like this. Um... Oh, yeah. But... I mean, or, like, R. Kelly, for example. Yeah, <laughs> like... but it's just, like, is... Avril Lavigne really making you enough money that you have to prevent, like, make it look like she's still alive today versus just, like, having her gradually fade off the charts, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so, it just, it just doesn't make sense. Much like the Paul McCartney died in a car crash, um, theory. I would hope that somebody could never be making so much money that their death would be hidden in that way. Like, to deny the grieving process to a family because they're famous and they're making you money. Just ask Prince Philip. (laughs) (laughs) It's reanimated corpse. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, what's something that could kill Prince Philip right now? Um, <laughs> a tampon, a super tampon full of cold brew shoved straight up his ass. <laughs> I was going to say my squeaky Ikea dinner chair, but like... <laughs> If it was a race, (laughs) if it was a race, yours would win for sure. Other things that could kill Prince Prince Philip: Um, the smell of the Taco Bell, the hair that clogs your shower sometimes. One sea shanty. (laughs) (laughs) One sea shanty. Wop. His glasses being a little too loose. <laughs> a stiff breeze, perhaps. One of the corgis jumping on him. I was about to say my cat being excited about a new toy. <laughs> One of those um, mini brands balls. <laughs> a tiny plastic bottle. <laughs> Frank's red hot. <laughs> <laughs> if he's lucky, he'll get the golden one. Tiny. Tiny better. better. <laughs> the concept of dry shampoo. <laughs> The concept of a two-in-one shampoo. Ooh. Now I bet Harry used that when he was younger. I think he's already familiar with the concept. Mm. Men, if you're listening to this, all two of you, <laughs> ditch the two-in-ones. Ditch the three-in-ones. You, you deserve better. You can have two buy things. Buy two you things. You can have three things in your shower. Buy two things. Don't buy Tresemme. Look at the lawsuits. You deserve your own body wash. <laughs> Separate from your hair wash. Rob loves going to shop for new body wash, and that's one of the things that make him a great boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He's like, should I get cedar pine or fucking ocean musk? And I'm like, they're both great, honey. Has he ever done the thing where, like, Daniel will call me over to the aisle and be like, which one of these smells better to you? And I'm like, they're the same. Whichever one you prefer. I do, they're both fine. <laughs> what would you prefer to smell like all day? Yeah, he asked me too. He'll ask me which one I like better, and I'm like, um, they both overwhelmingly smell like Old Spice, so. They are so manly. Whoa, boy. I am overcome with the sense of masculine smell. Ugh. But I do like that one better because it's got a picture of a kraken on it, so. <laughs> I want to look at that when I'm in the shower. <laughs> I like the bottle. That's all I have for today, folks. Same here. Same, same. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, please. Thank you for listening. Comment, like, leave a video response, and subscribe to our podcast. (laughs)